You're listening to the Dreamer in the Details podcast with me, Dylan Ferlano. I'm an entrepreneur, photographer, and your biggest cheerleader along this journey. I'll be here with some of my favorite bloggers, influencers, business owners, and more to help you dream bigger and get all of the details on how to make those dreams come true. Think of this as your personal invitation to our group chat. We're so excited to have you. So today on the podcast, we have Winston from Winston's Watercolors. Winston is an artist and he has some excellent things to say about being a creative, pursuing art, pursuing your passion, and also doing all that as a business. He also was a Capitol Police officer on January 6th. So we do touch on that as well, just as you know, a forewarning for you. It does get I'm a little bit heavy, but I think his story is so important. And to hear the perspective from someone who was there that day is just, it's immeasurable. So I hope you enjoy hearing about Winston and his art and everything he has to say. So today on the podcast, we have Winston from Winston's Watercolors. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yes. Thank you, Dylan, for having me. It's great to get to talk to you. Yeah, I'm so thrilled. So I have a piece of your art on the wall of my office, which we will get to, but we're going to start with just about your history with art. Have you always loved art? Can you give us a little bit of background? Yes, absolutely. So I really have always been an artist, you know, ever since I was a child, it was always something that I enjoyed doing um, since I can remember you know, in middle school, I was really into it and I got to explore a lot of different kinds of mediums. And that only continued with going to a uh, summer camp that had a big art focus. And, you know, that just kind of continued to give me exposure to try different things and um, have really incredible teachers and mentors. Um, and then in high school, I think I needed two art classes to graduate and I took 12, you know, like literally every semester, um, I could, I was taking art classes in all sorts of different mediums as well. But really I found really because of two mentors, um, a teacher of mine in high school and a counselor, um, at my summer camp, really the two of them, I credit for kind of guiding and, um, you know, kind of allowing me to like lean in, you know, discover and lean into my passion, which is watercolor painting. That being said, I still continue to pursue other mediums and, you know, things have just sort of happened that um, I've tried other things like pen and ink drawing and uh, it's just sketching in pencil and, you know, I'm not like totally boxed into just watercolor as a medium, but it's been my passion and my primary artistic pursuit, uh, particularly like as an adult. And something that I love about following you on Instagram, which we will put all of your info in the show notes so people can look up your work is just seeing all the different mediums that you use and all the different kind of ways the art comes out. So I love to hear that you've kind of, you're open to exploring all those different types. Can you tell us about starting your business, kind of the timeline of that, what the inspiration was behind it? 
Yeah. So it's sort of a long story and I guess it's kind of was just a long time coming, but basically I went to college in Washington, DC and, you know, I thought, well, I should kind of focus on my career. And so I would, I had a sketchbook and I'd occasionally draw in there, but I never took any art classes in college. I was focused, um, with working, I worked part-time in a restaurant. I did a bunch of different internships uh, in various criminal justice spaces. And ultimately I joined the US Capitol Police as an officer back in 2016, immediately following my college graduation. So it really wasn't until I had finished the academy and all the federal law enforcement training that I went through and was assigned to the midnight shift that I kind of had this epiphany that I'm really struggling with these hours. You know, you're basically permanently jet lagged working 11 PM till 7:30 AM. And sometimes they keep us later. And so I felt like I wasn't being creative and I was just having a hard time. So really that was one of the first times in my life that I would turn to my art to help with that. And so I started painting more. I had limited space living in a small house in DC with a bunch of roommates. And I went to the art store downtown and got some watercolors and got some, some, you know, paper and brushes and kind of just set up from there. And it was great. And really one thing led to another. And in terms of the business, I got some attention about my work pretty early on at that point from just sort of friends and family. I was doing a lot of landscapes and house commissions or, or you know, of architecture. So people would say, oh, can you do, uh, can you paint my house or my, you know, family member's house? And some of them I just would paint um, like family members' houses without even their permission or them knowing, and then they'd see it and say, Oh, well, I want to buy that. Um, and so that's kind of where it all started from. Um, and it really wasn't until COVID hit in 2020 that I thought, okay, I should get a website. I should make an Instagram account, start sharing this work a little bit more, um, you know, beyond my close social circles. And in the early times when the pandemic first hit, we were on a reduced schedule. So like the rest of the country and the world, you know, I had a, more time on my hands with just not a whole lot going on. And so that's kind of when I leaned into my artwork even more. And it was, but it wasn't until 2021 that I first started experimenting with making prints of my work after I'd received some more attention about it and had numerous inquiries from people asking, um, you know, if I was selling certain works. And, and so I thought, oh, well, I should just make prints and see if anybody wants them. And um, people did. And so I thought, well, instead of me kind of having to go and do the work and, and tell people a price and then maybe not like it or, you know, it, cause it is sort of, 
it's putting yourself out there a lot more so than, you know, a sales job, but when you're an artist and selling your work like that. So I opened up an Etsy shop in 2021 and it just took off from there. And um, at this point I've been interviewed in numerous uh, press outlets like Roll Call, MSNBC, um, ABC, NBC. I was fortunate to be on the front page of the Boston Globe, January 6th, 2023, on the two-year anniversary of the January 6th attack on the Capitol. And they featured me and my art and my story. So it's just been... Um, it's been kind of a crazy journey, but it's been very rewarding to me. Um, not so much like financially, but just in the fact that people are very supportive and I've, you know, been able to build a great network and, and make new friends and be able to just share a little bit about myself and, and try to kind of share some of my creativity and my perspective to just help others and and bring a little bit of joy to people and try to still do my part to help you know make the world a little bit of a better place yeah i definitely feel that looking at your work especially um now that you're in new england i'm a new england girl myself so seeing all of your beautiful new england landscapes and that always brings me like a little bit of home when i see that on your instagram so i thank you for that we do have to pivot just a little bit. So you kind of hinted at this, but this is where I found your work was. So the piece that I have on the wall is a piece with the Capitol, uh, the U.S. Capitol in the background. And it has the, um, the gallows that were erected by the rioters on January 6th in the mm -hmm. foreground. Um, so obviously January 6th was an important moment in our country's history, but also for you personally, can you tell us about your experiences that day? You have mentioned already that you were a Capitol Police officer, but um, I don't know. I, everyone knows you were there on January 6th. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even to this day, some people will learn that I used to be an officer and will sort of assume that I wasn't there that day or that I left prior to that. Um, but that's not the case. So I joined the department in 2016, like I said, and I served in a variety of different assignments, but the majority of my time there was spent um, assigned to the Uniformed Services Bureau and um, in the House of Representatives division. So I, basically all of the House office buildings just immediately south of the Capitol was my division's area of responsibility uh, primarily. And in addition to that, I served on our civil disturbance unit or CDU, which is the department's full riot gear team. And that is what my assignment was on January 6th. So at that point, I'd already been an officer for four, four plus years. So five years at that point. Um, so I had worked hundreds of demonstrations and I had put on my riot gear 
multiple times as well, um, you know, beyond just in training. But the morning of January 6th, I was, um, you know, assigned to this this team and were, was told, well, we'll see what happens. Um, we're just going to have our gear on standby for now. We might put it on. Uh, we'll just, we'll see. There's probably a group coming to the Capitol. Um, they, you know, we might have to arrest some people. We may have to use some level of force against them if they're going to be breaking the law and disorderly or violent towards us. But really there was very limited information provided to me and my team. So at some point we were told to gear up. Um, and before I knew it, we were marching out to the West front where the crowd was just growing larger and larger by the second. And after just maybe an hour or so of trying to hold them off as best we could, we were completely overrun. And that's where I was assaulted. Uh, I was punched in the face and knocked on my back and they were beating me and pepper spraying me. And I was able to get up and, um, you know, get back with my squad, which at that point was only a few other officers because we'd been separated from the rest of our larger uh, unit. And I continued to fight off the riders as best I could from inside the building and, you know, just trying to prevent more from coming in and trying to push those who'd already broken their way in um, to get them out. But, you know, and it sort of is a blur, like the exact narrative, but I remember hearing that there was an officer down. That was Officer Brian Sicknick, who would unfortunately pass away from his injuries the next day. And also hearing shots fired on the radio and just being in this complete chaos and not even being able to comprehend what was happening because it was just so violent and so destructive and bizarre that American people would be desecrating the Capitol, the symbol of our democracy, purely because a former president who lost the election uh, summoned them there and told them to. And that's what they told me. Um, you know, in the crowd and, and throughout that day that President Trump sent them to do this and that I was on the wrong side of the Constitution and I should take my badge off and, you know, join them and just crazy things like that, including one veteran who, oh, alleged veteran, to, telling me, you know, that he served this country and that, um, you know, I should too and, the, and that, like, I was in the wrong for doing my job and, and being there to protect our Congress and our democratic process as the 2020 uh, election results were being certified. So fortunately, you know, I was able to uh, make it home alive that night and I did end up in the tunnel where some of the worst fighting occurred. Um, and that's where I saw some of the worst injuries to my colleagues and officers of the DC Metropolitan Police Department who had come to 
our much needed assistance and they really kind of saved the day for us because we were so outnumbered and just uh, were unprepared for what I don't think anyone would have imagined or assumed what could happen. So, you know, in the aftermath of that day, I also, as part of my uh, different assignments, served on our ceremonial unit, which is the Capitol Police's Honor Guard team. So I basically, what felt like for months was just sort of drifting in that I would clock into work, work for 12 to 16 hours, go home, try to eat something, try to sleep, and then go right back to work again. And I felt like I was switching from my normal uniform um, being on patrol to having an assignment to my riot gear because we didn't know what was going to happen or if the Capitol would be attacked again to my formal ceremonial class A uniform because I had uh, the privilege of honoring our fallen officers, both Brian Sicknick and officer Howard Liebengood who tragically took his own life uh, just a few days after January 6th. And you know, in April of 2021, we had another officer who was killed in line of duty, um, unrelated to January 6th, but it just felt like this tragedy and this pain and suffering that we were dealing with had no end. But fortunately, finally, you know, in, in March and April, I started to be able to go back to my normal schedule and was given days off again and you know things had had started to calm down at that point the tens of thousands of national guard troops had started to go back to their states um the fence would stay up for quite some time but but you know the fencing perimeter would start to slowly come down and i turned to my art in a time where I really needed it. You know, I didn't under fully understand at the time, but I was most definitely experiencing acute symptoms of post-traumatic stress or PTSD um, in the weeks and months following those events. And so to have a creative outlet to kind of express myself in ways that I could not verbally, you know, at that time I felt like, people really didn't understand uh, what I was going through or what my colleagues were going through unless they'd been there um, fighting alongside me that day. So although there was a lot of initial support from both sides, the narrative shifted very quickly to deranged conspiracy theories that, you know, people had dressed up as Trump supporters in some ways to embarrass the former president. I mean, just crazy things. So it became exhausting and it still is to this day that the truth of what happened that day is blurred largely by one party. Um, but, you know, what I was able to kind of do for myself uh, was, like I said, turn to my art and that kind of culminated in a series of self-portraits as I tried to kind of express um, what I'd been through and how I was feeling, but also some other 
works like the one that you referenced um, in terms of, you know, how I've just been able to kind of cope with everything and, and not wanting to only portray myself, but show the capital in different ways. Basically it, you know, January 6th and my Capitol police career inspired me to use the Capitol as my muse. You know, it is my inspiration and um, the events of that day obviously do not define me or my art or my career, but it does hold a very significant part of that. And, you know, even now approaching two year, two and a half years later, it is still something that is with me um, and, you know, does still affect me, but my art kind of continues to help me through that as we move forward and hopefully get some larger justice for the crimes that were committed against me, um, against my fellow officers and really against our country. Um, yeah. Wow. That was very emotional to listen to. Thank you. I, I really appreciate you sharing that with all of us and thank you for you're in your colleagues service that day in a situation that never should have happened. I mean, you all saved, you know, democracy, you saved democracy for us that day. And um, I just thank you so much for that. But I also agree that you are not defined by the events of January 6th. So we're going to take a little bit of a pivot again, but I do just, again, want to thank you for sharing that with us and, and really walking us through that day from your experience. So yes, absolutely. On a slightly lighter note. Um, so if someone is listening to this and they like you have loved art for so long and they are thinking about doing it as more than just a hobby, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I think, I think first and foremost, what's important. It, well, really two things. The first thing is that if you're if you are out there and you are thinking about you know trying some new artistic medium or you're curious about creating whatever that may be whether that's digital you know computer art or watercolors or oil painting or pen and ink whatever it is if you're curious about it and you have just that kind of itch that I want to try this try it you know yes art supplies are expensive but if, but I'm sure, you know, it's, it's worth the initial investment startup just to try and see. And if you don't like it, you can try something new. So that's, that's kind of like my first thing is just go for it. Um, honestly, I wish that I'd started my Etsy and started doing prints earlier. You know, I have my own, everyone has their own journey and there's no rush or timeline, but, um, you know, trying it is the hardest part. So just starting, like that's only something that, that you can do, but you should. And secondly, my kind of advice or my thoughts for anybody who's considering starting um, to kind of take an art from, from just a hobby or just a thought into perhaps more of a business 
or whatever, like next level art is to really find your passion and your inspiration. And that could be anything, you know, that doesn't have to be you drawing from some tragic event in your life. That could be drawing from something really positive in your life. That could be something that you love, whether that is the ocean or um, some animals or whatever it might be. You, you'll, you kind of need to figure that out. Um, but fully understanding that that can, can and will often change. You know, I see artists on social media who, you know, paint or draw the same thing over and over again, or they have their very defined style. And well, I feel like I myself have a defined style and have my own inspiration, my muse, as I've mentioned, of the US Capitol, the Capitol Police, my own experience as an officer and the events of January 6th, it's it's changed. Um, and I think it will continue to change. Like I started with watercolor and then moved to pen and ink in first with just sort of drawing and then into a stippling style of using just dots. And so, you know, fully knowing your passion and inspiration very likely may change whatever you're feeling at that time or, or able to explore and kind of find like something that excites you. Like I want to start painting pet portraits or, you know, people's houses or landscapes or whatever it is, finding that and kind of, again, just starting and, and just seeing, seeing what happens. That's all excellent advice. And speaking of change, I know you no longer are a Capitol Police officer. So I'm wondering what is kind of next for you with your art, with your business? What do we feel like 2023 holds for you? Yeah, so great question. Well, I don't know about 2023, maybe 2024. Sure, 2024 um, works too. <laughs> but so, you know, I mean, I, I really, I kind of actually got burnt out a little bit from doing commissions and partly I think that was because I got some press attention. I had a lot of inquiries flowing in. And so I did a lot of commissioned work for Christmas and um, after the first anniversary of January 6th when some stories were run on DC local news. And so I had a lot of people asking me, oh, can you paint this? Can you do this? And I think one mistake that I made there was um, not charging enough because I think if, if you as an artist or, or really any small business owner are never getting turned down, then your prices are too low. You know, if, if everybody's just agreeing to your service at your, at your price, you probably are not charging enough. Um, and like you very likely could become overwhelmed. Um, so that being said, I, I stepped back from doing so many commissions. I still do them, um, but I'm just much more selective about the subject matter timeline um, and just kind of like more, more intentional about it and less just like, yes, I'll do this because 
there are only 24 hours in the day. And I think I probably speak for a lot of artists that if you don't prioritize time for your own work, it can kind of fall by the wayside. Um, so that was something I learned. I don't want to say the hard way because doing commissioned work is great. It's another great source of income. Um, but, but, you know, it's just, it's not without its costs and drawbacks as well. So what I have, and again, I don't have a lot, like I don't have formal plans for, for what's ahead. You know, I'd love to do have a art exhibit in a gallery at some point. Um, I've explored looking into life coaching of sorts and that's sort of more on the professional side of things and less art related, but, um, but that too, because I have had artists reach out to me, Hey, how do you do your prints? You know, how do you price your work? How do you do this? How do you do that? And, um, a lot of that I'm happy to share, but then, you know, there comes a point where some of that information is, uh, that, that data is something that I worked hard to get. I spent a lot of my own time and money and research just kind of developing and seeing what would work for me. So I don't want to call it like trade secrets, but it's, you know, at some point, um, not something that I'm just going to openly uh, give away for free. Um, so that's kind of one thing I've been thinking about. I've been also interested in doing more public speaking engagements where I can share my story and try to inspire people to you know, know that art and creativity really is a healing process and that anybody can do it. Um, and so, so I've got like a lot of thoughts uh, of things to do next. I've also, I have my own interest in personal finance. I've thought about kind of like doing a blog about that. You know, there were a lot of officers that I worked with who weren't really concerned with saving for retirement or just weren't necessarily that great about sticking to a budget or had credit card debt. And, and, you know, so that's kind of like another side interest of mine that I think probably most people don't know. Um, but I've thought about, you know, that maybe that's something that I can do to help people, you know, and, and make my own kind of um, budgeting spreadsheets or like any kind of social media content to, to help others. So those are kind of just like a few of my bigger plans for the future. Um, and, you know, in terms of like the inspiration, the Capitol and January 6th and Capitol Police all still remain very inspiring to me. But I also, uh, you know, I want to keep, I don't want that to be, and I don't expect that to be my artistic pursuit for the rest of my life. Um, but so I'm sort of like on my own journey of, of finding other things that excite me to paint and, and other ways to continue, con, you know, continue to express myself through my art um, with new subject matter and new mediums. Um, and I think that's a real gift that it's a lifelong journey. Um, and, you know, 
artists go through different phases and try new things and some are more successful or more relevant and meaningful to others versus themselves. So that's kind of my long-winded answer of saying I have a lot of ideas. Um, you know, it's hard to do it all, but I think one thing that I, that I do really want to do and I hope I can accomplish in this year is a bit of a rebrand for my website to kind of include not just my art, but have a little bit more about my own expertise now about law enforcement, public safety, technology, um, and then maybe kind of throw in a, a personal finance piece in that as well. But so that's sort of like my immediate, I'll tell you another long-term goal of mine that I would love to do is not only write a book uh, about my experience with the department and, and not just January 6th, but other crazy stories that I of things that I experienced and saw and had happened to me in my five and a half plus years on the department. But um, also I would love to someday get a, uh, and, and publish a kind of coffee table book of my artwork, which probably would have a January 6th Capitol Police focus, but, um, but maybe not like, and any, any way that I could put my work out there in a, in a big book where you can just open it up and see it all. And, and maybe I can put my kind of artist statements in there or, or some more information. Um, that's kind of like a long-term goal of mine that hopefully someday I can do. Well, this, this podcast is called the dreamer in the details. So I love hearing about everyone's like big dreams and also everyone's varied interests. I think it's, it's really great for all of us to remember that like we all have a bunch of different interests and that that's not a negative, especially for those of us who own businesses. It's, it's a positive and it's a way for us to keep kind of growing and changing and evolving and finding new ways to love our businesses and love what we're putting out there. So no, that's awesome. Yeah. That was such a great answer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll add to, you know, I think for anyone in the creative business space, what's what's a hard thing to do is find the crossover between what you enjoy doing and creating and are passionate about and then what people want to buy or you know what what other people want to see um and i've i've kind of gone back and forth with that because you know not everyone wants to see these really dark and kind of graphic and sad pieces depicting violence and just sort of like the tragedy of that day. But I also don't care to a certain extent. I'm going to paint that and I'm going to do that. And if someone does want to buy it later, great. But the reason that I'm doing it is not to make money. You know, that was never my intention as an artist ever. You know, I did it because I felt that passion and spark and creativity. Um, and then you know, the business kind of came to me because people said, Hey, I want to buy this. And so I thought, well, let me give them the chance to do that. And then they, they did. Um, and I think now I'm at like over 250 sales on Etsy just since 2021. So it is definitely a nice kind of side, uh, side hustle for me, but you know, and, and, and that is to say, I don't think there's anything wrong with artists who, who start, 
creating with the purpose of making money. That's fine too. You know, if you want to start an art business to make money, there's nothing wrong with that. That just wasn't me. Um, and you know, everyone's different and, and that's kind of the beauty. Like there's artists out there who are just going to do what people want and, and go with that. And, you know, people, they try new things and people like it. So they keep going with that. Um, again, that's not totally me, but I have, I have been able to sort of cater a little bit in that someone said, Oh, what about making greeting cards? And so I thought, Oh, let me look into that. Cause I've once, cause once you, the, the cool thing about, about an art business is once you have the image, you know, once you have, have spent hours and I've, I've spent over 30 hours creating some of these pieces, you can just reuse it on, on prints. I've put it on cards. I did a couple mugs that no one really bought, but that was fine. I could give them as gifts to friends and family. Um, but, you know, there's cool ways to kind of learn um, how to monetize things that, that you, you love and are, are passionate about. But um, I think it is important to still respect those who, who don't necessarily and, and just, um, you know, know that it's not, that, that everyone's different and, and people have kind of different priorities for, for their art and their businesses. Sure. I did also want to highlight, you said this a while ago, but you had said that um, if you're not getting turned down, you're not charging enough. And I just want to highlight that for people. I think that is a hundred percent true. And I've also found that to be true in my life. So just yeah. as a piece and of advice a, for people. Yeah, go definitely. Ahead. And it's a hard thing to do. It's a, it's a hard thing to put yourself out there and kind of think like, am I worth this much? But I will say, yes, you are. You know, I never would have guessed that I would be, have the invitation to donate some of my work to the Smithsonian American history museum but that happened um, a year and a bit after January 6th where they were interested in some of my work and I didn't feel like I wanted to sell it because it sort of just didn't feel appropriate like going to one person. And I also didn't really want to keep it either because it's this kind of violent, tragic reminder of that day that I certainly am not going to hang up on the walls of my own living space. So I was very fortunate to, to do that. And so, you know, I think when, when people need to kind of celebrate their wins and, and if you can sell your product or your service or whatever it might be for, for a higher price than you thought to one person, then there's definitely somebody else out there who's also going to pay that or maybe more. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree with what you're saying. I, this is, if this is like the life coaching that you're talking about, like you're, this is great. This is, exactly, <laughs> I think what people would, would want, right. We all sometimes need the, the pep talk and the experience of somebody else who's in a similar situation to us. Right. And can be encouraging and motivating. So I see that for you. I see it. Yeah, I thank you. Thank you. So I know you said potentially a rebrand is coming, but can you tell people where they can follow you now as of right now on Instagram, Etsy, your handle on there, all of the things? Yes. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Winston Watercolors. WinstonWatercolors.com is my website. Etsy, Winston Watercolors. Um, Twitter is like the only one that I, that isn't exactly Winston Watercolors because that's too long for a, Twitter handle. So my Twitter handle is Winston WCS. 
which was kind of like the closest thing that I could. And I think I'll probably keep that, but um, my website's probably the only thing that would change to maybe like my full name. But um, yeah, I encourage people to connect and uh, reach out if there's any questions or, you know, I love interacting with people and, um, you know, random times people will ask me things about my thoughts about what happened or particularly like with current events, um, you know, what are my thoughts about what's been going on more recently in regards to January 6th, like criminal proceedings. And so I love to share and help where I can and, and am always happy and glad to meet and talk to new people. Do you have anything uh, current events wise that you would want to offer up. You don't have to. Um, I just figured out oh, it is Trump arraignment day. Um, this is not going to come out that day, obviously, but we are talking on the day that Trump went to um, the New York courthouse. So I don't know if you have anything to say about current events, but you don't have to. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't like claim to be some expert on, and I try honestly for my own mental health to like not read like not be super um, involved in the news, but of course I am. And I can't help it that I do keep up very much. So with uh, what's going on regarding the former president, as well as the now over a thousand people who have been charged with crimes uh, in connection to the events of January 6th. But I do think that, you know, though these 34 charges brought against the former president today uh, are unrelated to January 6th. I hope that this is just the start and that, you know, people who were fed his lies and then made mistakes to go to the Capitol, made mistakes of assaulting me and my coworkers and breaking into the building, you know, or even those who did just enter the building nonviolently, but, obviously still broke laws in doing so, uh, you know, they're kind of the low, they're sort of the small low hanging fruit, if you will. The, the former president needs to be held accountable for what he did. And the, uh, you know, the, the damage that he caused and the, the real hurt and pain and violence that we endured uh, not only as Capitol Police officers, but as Americans. And until that happens, you know, there's sort of no real closure or justice um, for those events. So hopefully this is just the beginning, but we will see. And I kind of just will have my fingers crossed that, you know, no one is above the law. And that any person in this country who breaks the law should and, and will be held accountable. And, you know, that's just, again, one of the principles of our country, that there is uh, justice for everyone, you know, democracy, but, but that there's respect for our processes and for law and order. Yes, we will see how all of this um, plays out. We just started recording as kind of everything started to hit. So we don't have too much information right now. You and I, people in the future who are listening will know more than we do. But thank you, Winston, so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for sharing your art with us. 
Um, and I can't wait to see what 2023 slash maybe 2024 um, brings for you. And thank you so much. Yes. Thank you, Dylan. This was great to talk. Um, and I'm really appreciative of your time and of the invitation. Excellent. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Dreamer in the Details. We're so happy to have you with us. You can follow along with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And if you subscribe, you'll get all the new episodes sent directly to your feed. You can get in touch with me at Dylan in the Details on Instagram or DylanInTheDetails.com, which is my website. I'd love to hear your feedback and we hope to see you again next time.